Hey everyone, Rafe here. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Faces and Feels. Uh, before we jump straight into the episode, I just wanted to hit you with a quick public service announcement. Uh, promotion that's near and dear to my heart, Deathmatch Down Under, Australia's premier deathmatch wrestling company, is currently in a, the midst of a big funds drive to try and establish their own venue in Melbourne, Victoria. Now, this is a really exciting concept for me, though I don't live in Melbourne, the idea of them having a place to put on shows regularly, to stream on IWTV, to put out more content, to help develop talent, all the things you can do when you have uh, your own location seems like a really, really exciting prospect to me. Uh, if you look at somewhere like H2O Wrestling run by Matt Tremont, that's a perfect example of what can be accomplished when you have a space like that. I imagine booking venues and doing things like that and selling the idea of bringing a deathmatch company to your venue isn't always the easiest thing to do. And so, yeah, they're trying to get that done uh, and they really want to make it happen this year. But in order to make that a reality, they really need your help. So please head over to 3011arena.com.au. That is 3011arena.com.au to check out all the ways you can help. They've got all sorts of packages um, and nothing goes unrewarded. So there's various tiers starting from as little as $10 making your way all the way up to $1,000 with perks and merch and uh, being part of the mural, being literally a part of the fabric of the venue, free tickets to shows. All of these things are available uh, and you'll be helping a great cause and helping a great community that they're building over there in Melbourne. So please check out 3011arena.com.au and support Deathmatch Down Under. And with that said, let's jump into the show. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Ray Fusen, and today I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests. That's right, Faces and Feels today is star-studded, gold-lined, with two champions. The Kirk Dynasty is in the house. It is the American Deathmatch champion, unfuckwithable Casey Kirk, and her lovely, charming, newly haircutted husband, the Daddy Havoc Hardcore Champion, Brandon Kirk. How are you today, guys? Good, good. What, a, what an intro. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I like the term lovely. Also, I like that. <laughs> hey, I, I got, got to lead into the gimmick for you guys. And plus, I mean, this is straight up the most star-studded uh, episode. I've, ne- I've never had so many champions on at one time. I have definitely had at least one person who is a champion at one time, but never two. So it's very exciting. Oh, sorry, Joel. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Joel keeps <laughs> losing it every time I speak to him. He's already lost it. So let's not worry about That's Joel Bateman. Great. That's great. <laughs> Speaking of Joel Bateman, you guys are currently en route in the car 
heading to go hang out with those guys and uh, watch some baseball. So we're going to do a bit of a lightning round today and kind of break down everything that's been going on. Um, before we get into all the happenings that have been going on, I'd just like to, to have you bo- both kind of think back to when you first got into professional wrestling and think about some of the faces that stood out to you. Maybe we'll, we'll start with you, Brandon, since you're behind the wheel. Um, wh- what were some of the first faces that stood out to you in pro wrestling? I think of, I mean, I think I think of it in like two different phases. Like the youngest version of me grew up loving, you know, WWE. Obviously, like mm-hmm. you know, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, guys like that. Um, you know, I, I just think of that as like my first real exposure of it. So when I was like four years old, I had a, like a, a tape of WrestleMania Nine, which in hindsight is probably one of the worst WrestleManias. But watching it, you know, I fell in love with wrestling. And then I think of, like, the teenage version of me who got into, like, the more hardcore stuff where I started watching, like, CZW and Ring of Honor and guys like that and, like, the deathmatch side of things that really drew me in. Um, you know, watching guys like Zandig and, uh, you know, Danny Havoc and uh, Wife Beater, guys like that. So that's how I kind of think of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, first off, I would disagree. WrestleMania 9 was also my first WrestleMania of all time, and I would say it's amazing. Oh, really? <laughs> but but that's because it's like that childhood lens, right? Like the outdoor, like for me now, like outdoor wrestling events hold this like special place because that was, it was such a, you know, big over the top bullshit event, you know, with the togas and the, the sun and all, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think it was so fun, but you're right in that it's not exactly five star wrestling. <laughs> No, no. I did really enjoy the first match. Like, the, the first match that I saw, I remember I was, like, four years old, mm-hmm. is Shawn Michaels and Tatanka. It's a good match. And like, the match, yeah, the match was solid. And, and like, Shawn Michaels is what really drew me in. Yes. So, that's what I think about. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's funny how it sort of does work in sort of two stages in fandom because I was the same. Like, you, you grow up, you're a kid, you're into all that stuff, you know, you you kind of watch it, I guess, of like a kayfabe standpoint, like, oh, this is wrestling, this is thing. And then if you take a break from it and get back in it later in life, then you sort of start to appreciate it for other reasons. And then, yes, it's stuff like Ring of Honor and, for me, New Japan. And then when I eventually accidentally saw a big Japan show, you know, stuff like that. And for you, Casey? Uh, well, I when I was younger, I did not watch wrestling at all. Uh-huh. Um it was not my thing, and I got into it, like, pretty recently, like, within the last, like, 10 years, so, um, I have maybe a little bit longer, maybe, like, 12 years, but it's still very new to me, um, and my first introduction to it was an indie show, believe it or not, um, and it was kind of a hardcore indie show, um, and that what what kind of intrigued me, and I was like, wait, this is, like, real? Like, what they're doing? Like, they're bleeding? Like, this is, like, this is wrestling? So, it really intrigued me, um, and then I got into, like, watching WWE, because I just wanted to see, like, the different side of it, and, like, oh, like, this is what wrestling is, um, and then I, as I watched it more and more, uh, I was really drawn to ECW. I love Tommy Dreamer. Um, he was, like, everything to me. Watching his evolution was, like, the most fun thing for me so um yeah i kind of just gravitated towards that sort of stuff and not as much as the wwe stuff but i did watch it all the time and you know i still do occasionally watch it but now you know grown me is very into 
stardom and watching a lot of Japanese wrestling and watching a lot of indie wrestling. So Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that because your first exposure to it like was independent wrestling, you know, on that like right in front of you, like this is people in my town, whatever, doing this thing, that made your sort of journey into maybe training to do it seem a little bit more realistic you know what i mean because like uh, i know for me growing up in australia wrestling seems yeah. so far away so i could have never imagined training in it for you were you like oh, i could do this these are other people i can see in front of me in flesh and blood doing it right now yeah um you know what i haven't even thought about that that's a good question um at the time i was not interested in anything of it. i was just very entertained and i was like this is great yeah um and then i got more into it i started dating one of the wrestlers on the show believe it or not and I was like, this is really cool. Can I, like, I want to try this. And he was like, nah, like, don't do it. Yeah. So then we dated for like three years. And then the day after we broke up, I signed up for wrestling training. So yeah, maybe like I did think that it was something attainable, like to go train and to go experience in it because I had been to so many indie shows by that point and so many pay-per-views. Like I had been to everything. So, like he was a super fan. So it was really a huge exposure for me. Yeah, straight out. How about you, Brandon? Like when you're, you know, growing up and you're, you're into it, you obviously said that you started getting into the hardcore stuff and watching that different stuff. Were you immediately kind of thinking this is something I'd like to do or did you fall backwards into it? Uh, I mean, the deathmatch stuff, not so much. That's something that just like I kind of fell into. I mean, I always loved it and appreciated it. I never thought of it as something that I was going to do. Um, I mean wrestling in general yes i mean ever since i was four years old and saw wrestling for the first time i was like i'm doing this i don't care i'm doing this and then it just kind of fell into my life because i knew somebody you know that did it um the deathmatch stuff just kind of came along later <laughs> did you have any kind of uh i mean in America, you guys have, like, amateur wrestling in school and stuff. Did you find anything like that in high school, or, or did you just find a school, like an actual pro wrestling school later? Yeah, my uh, my high school did not have wrestling, um, which I was kind of bummed about. Um, I played other sports and stuff, but, like, nothing really even remotely close to wrestling. Or, uh-huh. You know, I play basketball and I play baseball, but that's pretty much it. Um, but I knew the guy that I knew that I was friends with at the time um, was a professional wrestler. And I was like, how do I do this? I didn't know. I didn't know how to get into it. And um, so I just hit him up. I was like, what do I do? And he's like, oh, just come to the show and you can get in the ring and train. And like, that's kind of how I started doing it. Yeah. Just, just sort of like rocked up on the day and started messing about with it. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> so casual. <laughs> It is. It, it, when I think back on it, I was like, I really just kind of casually fell into wrestling. Like, I didn't, like, go and search for schools and do all that. I mean, I did that stuff later on when I was into it, like, when I ended up going to CCW school. But, like, yeah, yeah. when I think about it, I was like, wow, I really just kind of casually fell into wrestling. Yeah. And so, and so when you're, like, uh, you know, you start doing that, you talk about the CCW school. Um, how long had you been sort of... Uh, training at that point when you then went to that school uh so i had started wrestling and you know at the time there were very carny indie wrestling shows like new jersey at the time was really big with the the carny wrestling scene so i hadn't really been going to the school i was just going 
every show because the guy that who was running the shows would run every month. Uh-huh. So I was going one month in training, and then this was probably maybe a year or two in. I was like, I need to do like more. Like I need to get more like formal training. So I, you know, looked up CCW school, which is only like an hour from my house, uh-huh. and then I just started going there kind of periodically on and off for maybe a year or two before yeah. I actually started wrestling. Right, and was. Uh, forgive me, I, I'm not like right over my timelines and stuff like that. Independent wrestling is sort of still new to me within, you know, the last, you know, five plus years or whatever. CZW was sort of finished by the time I uh, got into it. But with the timeline there, was CZW prominent at that time? Like, was it something that you were a fan of or was it already, uh, or were, were you kind of at the start? Oh, yeah, it was still, I mean, it was CZW at the time was still probably one of the biggest independent promotions in the world um this was probably around 2013 2013 yeah probably around 2013 it was still pretty big um and it was definitely still the you know the promotion that i grew up loving as a teenager so even just being able to walk in there i was like holy shit like i'm training in the ccw ring right now it's kind of surreal you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would, it would have felt like going to the big time, you know, like I can't believe I'm like part of this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, the the first time I got exposed to you guys was just as I started getting into uh, deathmatch wrestling, I became exposed to Jimmy Lloyd and then I went back and I watched the KG. Sorry about that, about Jimmy Lloyd. <laughs> oh, yeah. First, your first introduction to Deathmatch Wrestling was different boy, Jimmy Lloyd. No, 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 no. He was not my first exposure. My first exposure was uh, was Big okay. Japan. Uh, and then as I got into American wrestling, I got into GCW. But my first exposure to CZW uh, after GCW, I was learning about wrestlers uh, and, you know, just kind of researching it. And I stumbled upon the Struggles podcast. One of the interviews was with Jimmy Lloyd, and I think it was that where they talked about your guys' Cage of Death match. And so I went back and watched that. And I watched the vignettes that you guys did. You know, you're locked up, um, threatening to get cut off and all, all that kind of stuff. So was that, I mean, that would have been a pretty big deal to be heading into like the main event of, of like an iconic event like that, right? Um, I mean, it should have been a big deal, but <laughs> it didn't feel that way. Right. Because at that point, like, CZW was on, like, a really steep decline. Uh-huh. And, like, it was, like, we didn't, we weren't scheduled to be in that match till maybe a couple of months before. Oh, right. probably maybe four or five months out, like, DJ had no idea what was happening for Cage of Death. And, like, we're coming up close on it. And I'm like, we got to do something. And he's like, how about you and Jimmy? I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, me and Jimmy. You know, we, we have the history. We have it all that. I was like, we got to, like, do something to get people to care about it. And, you know, so we started filming, like, these ridiculous vignettes and, like, this cool, like, uh, like cinematic-type stuff yes. to make people, like, actually care about it. And it ended up coming out as, like, really good stuff. And the funny um, thing is that at that point, the, uh, the videographer had, like, quit or, like, got a, like, good job. So, like, we didn't have even anyone professional to film it. We just had, like the guy who's, who was the photographer to take all the videos and like edit them together and hope they worked. <laughs> was that when, when, was it, is it Giancarlo went to WWE? Is that what happened? I think so. Giancarlo had yeah. just left maybe a few months prior and went to GCW. And then, oh. um, all we had was 
the guy Frankie Kurtz, who was uh, the photographer. Who was the photographer who happened to have a really good camera. Yeah, and so. who happened to like actually kind of know how to like record, <laughs> thank God, and like edit and stuff. And yeah, we got really lucky because they were they were fun to film though. Yeah, they, well, they, they really stood out to me. And as I said, as I was, you know, starting to learn like the landscape of American uh, deathmatch wrestlers and figure out all the characters and figure out who you all were, like the two of you like really stood out. There's suddenly this uh, amazing presentation. And like you said, it's almost cinematic type stuff. I was like, what is this? I didn't really know what CCW was at the time. I didn't know about the decline, about DJ, about any of that stuff. But I was like, this is yeah. like super cool. Casey, my... And that was the first time I saw you, obviously, that stuff. But then, you know, coming off the side of the cage and <laughs> through all that stuff, it was, like, pretty crazy. How long had you been wrestling for at that point? Um, What year was that? That was 2019. When so did I start? You started in 2017, so you were, like, two and a half okay, years Okay, so, like, two and a half, three years in. Um, <laughs> and I had just started doing deathmatch stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, during that storyline, my first death match was with Jimmy in that exploding barbed wire match. So, like, um, before that, I had only done, like, little spots. Like, yeah. we did, like, that six-man tag at a Cage of Death the year before. But, like, nothing crazy. So, that was, like, my first real experience actually doing stuff like that. Did you just say your first death match was an exploding barbed wire death match? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, so it's just... Just it took it nice and easy, shallow into the pool, like no big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, also a squared circle sacrifice match. So like the boards were exposed, there was no canvas, barbed wire ropes. ropes. Yeah, we kind of went a little bit crazy with that. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> the, seeing you do that, you were actually the probably the first. Now I think about it, probably the first female I ever saw do anything deathmatchy. As I said, I. I I hadn't intended to, like, I, I sort of knew what it was and I knew what ECW was and things like that. And uh, it wasn't until we were in Japan, uh, we went, were going to the Tokyo Dome, big New Japan fans, and we were just seeing shows around there, you know, going to Karakun Hall to see whatever we could. And we handed a flyer for Big Japan. And it wasn't really until the main event, which was an Abdullah Kobayashi, like, 100 Light Jibs Deathmatch, where we were like, what, what's, uh, what's going on here? kind of thing and yeah. then suddenly what are they doing with those tubes and then like people are putting on ponchos and stuff and they're getting showered in glass and we're like this is crazy and it you know led to I guess this podcast but <laughs> but for you how was it like you said you were exposed to independent stuff and, and hardcore stuff was it as extreme as the deathmatch stuff or did you not really get into that and until you met Brandon I got more into it. It was like a casual sort of thing, like like watching it. Um, but yeah, when I went, when I, I met Brandon, everything just kind of exploded um, between watching it and doing it. And um, I think one of the cool things is that I like figured that I really, really loved deathmatch wrestling, and I, I probably loved and appreciated it more than I thought I would. Um, and I think a piece of me kind of wanted to dabble in that, but I was training. Like, I was cookie-cutter, little girl TV training. Like, they wanted, you know, there yeah. was such a plan for me to be, like, that face that, you know, everyone loves and the girl next door. And it just, like, really, it it wasn't me, you know? It really wasn't me. So when I met Brandon and I saw, you know, he was doing it and he was, like, you know, having the time of his life, and I was like, well... You know, he gave me the confidence to be like, just do it. You know, who cares? Like, and there weren't that many females doing it around that time. Um, 
a lot of people had retired and you know i think maria manic and like tara calloway were the only ones at that time like really doing stuff uh-huh. so it was scary to kind of jump in but uh we did and here we are <laughs> exactly how did how did you guys meet i suppose it's a it's a married couple we've got to tell the tell the story right do you, you want to tell the story? Okay. Um, Brennan uh, fell into my DMs. Okay. <laughs> he he had seen, seen you about and just 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 fell into the DMs real quick. I, I, sli- I slipped. Yeah, he, I slipped and fell. He he slipped and fell, and I had no idea who he was uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. Um, he was sending me, believe it or not, he was sending me deathmatch videos from his match with Jimmy Lloyd. Um. <laughs> Which now, like, thinking about it, it's just so funny. Um, he just started talking to me, and I thought he was annoying. And I was like, he's weird, he's weird. And he just kept, like, begging to hang out. And I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll hang out with you. Just leave me alone. And, uh, yeah, we hung out. And uh, the next day we were dating. So I guess it worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go, Twitter. That's all you need to do is just uh, fall into someone's DMs and bother them until they go out with you and you two can be married. Yeah, right? That could be, like, totally misinterpreted. Don't do that, people. You'll get you'll get flagged for harassment. But, yeah, it worked out. <laughs> it sure did work out. How long have you guys been together now? Five years. Five years. Damn. Five years. There you go. Five well, years. congratulations, guys. Yeah. How long of that have you actually been married? Uh, what was this? Three years. Three years, Three years, August. Yeah. We did everything quick. We were engaged, what, four or five months after we were together. So. Yeah. Wow. Lightning round. Yeah. We were quick. <laughs> yeah. Like this podcast is going to be, because we need to get you to this baseball game. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. So let's go into all the big news. This past weekend uh, at No Holds Barred, Casey, you uh, accomplished the, the, well, I was going to say unthinkable, but it's not the unthinkable really because you just beat everybody in the company basically leading up to becoming the new American Deathmatch champion. Um, An amazing match with Joel. Uh, I enjoyed both of your matches uh, that you guys had together and I think your run was this amazing organic thing that, that really like rewarded the fans for supporting you how was that moment for you because it must have been pretty pretty rewarding to get to that point yeah um it's still i'm still processing mm-hmm. everything 
Uh, it's very meaningful. There's a lot of emotion behind it. Yeah. I think for the first time ever in my life, I said that I was like proud of myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look back on this whole journey with ICW and it's pretty crazy because like I was, I've been working for the company now for almost two years. It'll be two years in October. So to think of where I started, mm-hmm. you know, and to where I am now is just such a, like a showcase of growth, Yeah. you know, both personally and professionally. So trying to wrap my head around that and to be like, Hey, hard work pays off. Like you did this on your own. Like you did this, you yeah. did this, you worked really, really hard and you got a really good payoff. And, um, that's pretty tremendous. But like, I owe so much to the people I'm surrounded with by because everybody there is just uplifting and supportive and wants to help and wants to teach and wants to grow and be successful. So everyone's there for the same purpose. Um, you know, we all want to be successful and we all want to help each other. and We just want to have fun. So I uh, like if I hadn't been exposed to those sort of people and had them help me, like none of this would have happened because, you know, it's really hard as a female to walk into a predominantly male locker room of people who have been doing this for 10 plus years and to be like, hey, can you give me a chance, you know? And yeah. they were all super accepting and they want me to succeed. So I was, I, I really lucked out and it's just been a whirlwind of emotions the last few days. I can only imagine, like, like you said, when you were trying to, you know, train and stuff, everybody wants you to be this sort of like cookie cutter baby face, you know, female wrestler, as was the style at the time. And, and here you've started from coming in, you know, essentially as a valet almost, you know, uh, yeah. cutting those, uh, those promos and uh, drawing in all that, all that uh, uh, fire from the crowd into, you know, making your way to be the champion of the company. And it's pretty amazing that anybody that wants to see that run can go to IWTV, watch, you know, no holds barred. Essentially, almost from the start, I, I can't remember what show was your debut and watch this entire evolution of a, a character, of a, of a wrestler, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was It was one of – we were in, like, a barn. We, oh, no, we were outside. It was October. Oh, NHB 7, thank you. It was uh-huh. freezing. I remember it being so cold um, and being in, like, a little skimpy, like, tank top bra sort of thing and freezing my ass off. Um, and yeah, I brand new wrestled cannonball and yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I was, I was very intimidated walking into that locker room. Like, you know, I, I still kind of, and sometimes when I look around and I'm like, whoa, and I I tell Eric Ryan that I'm scared of him. Like every time I see him, so, um, (laughs) (laughs) you beat him up. It's fine. He still scares me. (laughs) (laughs) And how is all this for you, Brandon? Like, uh, you know, we talk, we talk about your your life partner and, you know, I assume probably your best friend and, and seeing the, the journey that, that she's been on in the company. I mean, the only thing I could really say is how proud I am of her mm-hmm. because I've always known that she's had this in her. I know I've always known that she's been able to get to this level that she's at uh-huh. and even past that. Um, and, like, the journey that she's had, like, in ICW is, like, you don't really get to see things develop organically like that, especially in independent wrestling much. Absolutely. Like I can't think of anything that I've seen anytime recently that has, you know, um, happened like that so organically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm just incredibly proud of her. Yeah. Thanks. 
well said. I, I think that's a, what, for me, uh, has been so appealing about ICW No Holds Barred is that, like, like I said, I, I'm on the other side of the world, but it's been something that's been really accessible and, you know, every month, whatever it may be, in and out, it, it comes out and it's consistent and it's like this ongoing thing. I don't have to go to 20 different platforms to see it, to follow it, extra pay-per-views. It's just all there and, and all the characters and all the wrestlers I I know and love, I, I've been able to see them develop, which is, which is really, like, kind of awesome to see them all, all go through. Is it... I always hear about the the locker room and you know and the the team you know that is ICW has it. Uh, I mean, you guys obviously existed in the CZW era and stuff like that. Is ICW something pretty special to you guys? This locker room is like any other locker room that I've ever been in. I, I will say that. Um, like I said before, being a female coming into an all male you know locker room and feeling. That was not a feeling that I've ever felt before, uh, just being accepted, number one. Um, it is funny, though, when I first came into the locker room, no one knew that I was trained, which is so funny. They just thought I was, like, a, a manager, and then they found out I was trained, and were like, oh, that's cool. You mean Danny, what you say? No, no, Danny knew I, <laughs> Danny knew I was trained. Um, I, I've known Danny for a long time. No, um, but... There are so many locker rooms, and there's still locker rooms to this day where me and Brandon will be going to a show, and I will be hysterical crying in the front seat, begging him not to take me, to turn around the car, because I'm so anxious because of the experiences I've had. It's just, you know, you never, it's so competitive wrestling, you know? Yeah. You never know what you're going to walk into. You never know, especially as a female, when there's maybe one female, you know, match on the card, maybe. Maybe there's two, or maybe there's just one girl there who's a manager or a valet. Like, so it's just really, you know, cutthroat and very competitive because everyone yeah. is gunning for that one spot, you know, that's on the show. Yeah. So my experiences have been so self-depleting and, like, exhausting and just really challenging so when I came here I thought this was a trick because I was like is everyone just fake like why is everyone being like you know supportive and nice like yeah and it took me a while to kind of open up because I was just like this is not what I'm I'm used to you know this is not especially these guys who are so scary and like huge and covered in blood and they're the nicest people in wrestling I, I'm telling you deathmatch wrestlers are the nicest people in professional wrestling and I'm sorry if that ruins some of their, you know, images, but man, like we're responsible even to a higher extent of someone's life, you know? Yeah. So you really have to go out there and trust that other person with your life, you know, every single night. So I think that adds something special to our bond and it's just been, it's been really good. I would agree with that. I mean, ICW is definitely one of the, the better locker rooms that I've been in. Like I've been doing this for a long time and I've been some, some, pretty shitty toxic locker rooms um fortunately like with experience i've been able to to deal with it in a way to where like i just don't care like <laughs> I, a lot of the times like i'll go into a locker room and i'll just especially if i'm going into one where i don't really know many people or i'm not friends with a lot of people in locker rooms i'll just kind of keep to myself yeah and i don't really yeah. give a fuck what you do just leave me alone yeah. like you know, and you know, sometimes you're going into locker rooms with, with shitty people, and you know that they're shitty people, but um, I just ignore it. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm trying to, to teach her 
you know, when we go into locker rooms with people that either we're not particularly friend with or friendly with, or that we know aren't the best of people, like, you know, you have to ignore those people. You can't let those people bring you down and, you know, you just got to ignore it. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, every every t- time, like when you're you're touring and going to these locker rooms, it'd be like the first day of school all over again. I imagine, which is yeah, exactly. which exactly. would suck. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it must it must help being a team. You know what I mean? Like for for the most part, I mean, a lot of the time you guys are together, right? So you can really be just like whatever. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, it's traveling like, together and easier. being together is makes it so much easier, but it also makes going and doing things alone much harder. Yeah. Um, because I have that comfort and that support system. But yeah, when we get to travel together and do stuff together, um, it just makes everything easier. When I'm neurotic and I'm having, you know, these these breakdowns of stuff, he just brings me back to earth and it's like just chill in the corner, we're good, we're good, you know. So uh, it's definitely very helpful for me absolutely do you find that um those sort of nerves and stuff immediately disappear you know once the music hits and you're you're through the curtain like is it all that that sort of build up uh for do you, you want to answer that for me uh no <laughs> that is a definitive no she is a lot of the times and one of her her biggest things that we're trying to get over is her being in her own head uh-huh. A lot of times she, she very much gets in her own head and her mind is going a million, you know, uh, a million miles a minute. She's always thinking about what are people thinking? What are people saying about me? What are people watching? You know, they're all, oh, they think that I suck or what, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And like, I'm at the point now where like, as soon as that music hits, I mean, even, even when I'm in the locker room too, but once the music hits, I am full on tunnel vision. I don't see anything around me. I don't hear anything around me. I'm full tunnel vision. I'm in there ready to do what I'm getting paid to do. I don't think about anything else, you know, and that's... I do. (laughs) But no, it's not even a fact of like, are people going to say I'm going to suck, like, or this or that. I feel a very big responsibility to not let the person down that I'm working with, especially because I've been working with such prominent people and such amazing talent that I go in there with a different kind of pressure. Like, okay, this person is trusting me and allowing me to work with them. I can't mess it up, you know, and... I haven't been doing this that long. So I feel like I'm just trying to kind of sprint and, and catch up with everybody. Um, and wrestling did not come easy to me. So it wasn't like a natural, like, yeah, I got it. Like, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around it. And I got a long ways to go. So even like the positive um, feedback is scary to me because I don't even know how to handle the positive or the negative. So I'm just kind of a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I, I think it's probably pretty good though that the, uh, your partner is such a steady influence and, and like a veteran in the business. Brandon, you've been doing yeah. uh, tra- uh, like training classes and stuff at H two O. Is that true? Am I, are my sources correct on this? Yeah, I was. Um, not so much anymore. Matt's kind of um, taking lead on you know dealing with all the with uh, with all the kids. Mm-hmm. So I think he mostly does the classes now, but for a good couple months there you know every tuesday i was there uh you know working with the, the kids in h2o and it's a lot of fun it's always something that i've wanted to do and like yeah. i really like teaching uh-huh. um you know i really like you know being able to uh you know show people what i've what i've learned and i feel uh-huh. like it's something that i'm good at so yeah absolutely do you guys um do you guys ever train together or is it sort of like a separate thing and it's just more like a work thing together and then then train individually Oh, yeah. 
I always beg him to to bring me to the school or bring me to a ring and, and show me stuff. He, he's like the main influence on like my training the last what like two years. Yeah. I would say more like the yeah like the last two years. Um, yeah, I'll be like, can you show me how to do this? Can you show me how to do this? Can you know? Can we watch this and can we you know? Can you explain this to me or can you explain this to me? So he's been like the best teacher and helper. He's a really great trainer. Um, and, and those kids at H2O, they adore him and they're so talented and he just had so much fun over there too with them. Um, so obviously I got to get in on it cause I need, I need the expertise too. <laughs> and Brandon, would you say that Casey is your best student? I think, yeah, yeah, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, shut up. I, I was giving uh, you the alley-oop there, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, 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 a, it's a tie between, I guess, you and, and Marcus Mather. So, oh. I would, you know, when, when, when Marcus gets signed, I take 100% of the credit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he's um, he's an um, amazing young wrestler and really just showed out in the ETU tournament. Before yeah. we get all the way to to the Danny Havoc title, how was the ETU tournament for you Brandon obviously you uh stole a key and found yourself in there last minute uh were you happy with that uh match with Marsha oh yeah it was it was a lot of fun I you know I love you know part of me like loves being able to do as much non-deathmatch wrestling stuff as possible yeah because I get to a lot and it's still it's weird because I've you know next was it next week will be my 10-year wrestling anniversary oh wow and people are still surprised that I can actually wrestle <laughs> and when I when I don't have to do the deathmatch stuff and I can go and show out like in a match like with Masha or that same weekend or the same day actually right no, no, no the day before the next, day. the next day when I get to when I wrestle Jordan Oliver at GCW uh-huh. it's like and Scoot, and Scoot Andrews and yeah. like people like people are still surprised I'm like I do other things like I have not just deathmatch wrestling and which is like you know at at one point like I was kind of getting really frustrated because I, I, feel, I felt like I had this negative stigma attached to me to where, like, oh, he's just a deathmatch wrestler. Now it's fun because I like to see people can be surprised when they see, like, I'm actually really good wrestling. Yeah, well, I, I think anybody that, that would say that is just not paying attention because I actually find you to be one of the more innovative uh, deathmatch wrestlers in, in some of the, the stuff that you pull out. And, like, I mean... Even even your more chaotic stuff, like I mean, I've never seen anybody do a running tombstone onto a chair with another human being before. But I was just left going, "What the fuck is this maniac doing?" That's a, that's a new thing. That is that's chaotic. His, that's his new obsession. <laughs> Didn't I you mean, do it to Scoot? I did do it to Scoot. I did do it to Scoot Andrews, and he was very excited to take it. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, quickly, let's let's touch on the the. Danny Havoc hardcore title, um, obviously uh, an important belt uh, because of the person it's named after and what it means. Um, did you know Danny? Is that is that something that was is sort of holds meaning for you? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's probably one of the you know more important things that's happened to me in my career so far. Um, Danny Havoc and I were were, were friends. He was a good friend of mine, and um, you know, losing him took a huge toll on me yeah. mentally. Um, it was really hard. It was a really hard thing for me to to deal with and grasp. And you know, ever ever since that point, like kind of everything that I've done in wrestling is to try to you know 
make him proud uh-huh. and everything that I do I, I, I hope that he's he's proud of and I know he is um, and being able to win that title with his name attached to it and to live on his legacy and to you know live on the legacy of that title is it means so much to me and that's probably at winning that is probably the most emotional that I've ever been been after a match yeah. I've never cried after a match before but I was sobbing like a little baby <laughs> yeah. that's what you do it for right like to, to get to those moments yeah. and feel exactly. like it's all worth it moments like that you know it was it was absolutely worth it and you know unfortunately you know during the match when when Joel gets gets hurt and he you know hurts his ribs and you kind of got to call an audible and you know it's a little chaotic but but afterwards like it was just just the moment itself was completely worth it. Yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome, man. Is Joel okay? I I hadn't had a, a, a chance to see the match yet. Is everything good? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, Mainly precautionary, very painful, but yeah, he's he, a, took, he got a little rib, he little took a, rib issue. He took a swanton from, uh, from Lucky, and um, he landed on good, and he thought he broke his ribs. Yeah. And it was probably best that he didn't come back into the match. I don't think his ribs are broken. I, I, I guess we'll find out in a little bit when we see him. But, yeah. Um, it was for the best. You know, the, the last thing that you want to do, especially if you got broken ribs, is to come back out and try and push through it and hurt yourself more or puncture along or something like that. So it, it needed to happen. Yeah, especially uh, when you're on the other side of the world and you've got a very long flight to get home. I've actually done that before. Yes. I, I cracked two ribs snowboarding in Japan and then flew home from there, and that's only half the journey, and it wasn't a pleasant time, i got to tell you. Oh, gee. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. I, I'm not a good snowboarder. I was learning how to do it, and it was like <laughs> <laughs> on the very last kind of run, and I was having this magical moment where they were shutting down the slopes, and it's all dark, and they've got like these street lights on the slopes, so you just like you know, gentle snow and it's all dark and stuff. And my wife's ahead of me and she kind of like had a little bit of a fall over and I was kind of trying to stop to see if she was okay and then just slingshotted and face planted oh, and actually fucked no. myself up way worse than what was going oh, on with it. Jeez. sucks. Yeah, not an athlete in any way. <laughs> it's a good story to tell though, right? Uh, well, I mean now at the time it was, yeah, now. It was absolutely <laughs> shit. Well, look, you guys are off to this event and you've got a lot on your plate. So I just want to thank you for making time for me today. It was super fun to get to know you and like hear about your journey. Please tell everybody where they can support the Kirks. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Um, we got some merch up on uh, Deathmatch worldwide. You can get stuff there. We also have a new shirt on IWTV shop. So we got stuff there. Um, and then social. What are you on socials? Social. I am. It's social. Brandon, it's Brandon Kirk on everything. I think it's Instagram, Brandon Twitter. Kirk, and I am Catal Casey. Put in Casey Catal or Casey Kirk, and I should pop up. No worries. Well, thank you so much, guys. You heard it here. We're talking to, or have been talking to, the Kirks, the American Deathmatch Champion, and the Danny Havoc Hardcore Champion. Guys, have a great day today. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for waking up at the ass crack of dawn to interview <laughs> us. Appreciate it. Had to do it. Had to get up at 4.30, prep the wife for work, get the puppy yeah. fed, and then get you guys sorted. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. So for the Kirks, for ICW No Holds Barred, and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and fucking deathmatch wrestling. Yo, 
Thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast, or just head straight to our link tree, linktr.ee slash FacesFeelsCast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favorite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lip Sync Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify, and now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something. <laughs>